and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Tara Barrett, and today I'm here with Dale Jarvis to talk about fairies. Hi, Dale, and welcome to the show. Hi, Tara. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. It's so weird to be on this side of the table. Usually I'm on the other yes. other side. Usually all the you're buttons. helping. Yes. <laughs> uh, you've turned it over to me for today. Yep. You're doing a great job so far. Thanks. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about fairies. We are. One of my favorite things to talk about. And that's probably why you're on that side of the yeah. <laughs> that side of the table. It's exciting. So we're going to start off with uh, a story about fairies, but also a story about fetches. So can you explain the difference between the two? Yeah. So uh, I guess it's a, a fetch, first of all, is kind of what other people might call a token or a, in Cape Breton, they call it a forerunner. It's a... It's kind of a, a warning or a sign that someone will get uh, about someone's impending death. Um, and they can take any number of uh, forms. Or uh, y- There's lots of different folklore around it. Sometimes people will hear three knocks at the front door of a house. In Newfoundland, most people would go to the back door of the house to let themselves in. If you heard three knocks at the front door and you went and no one's there, that would be a fetch or a token, and, and something bad was about to happen. Uh, fairies are kind of harder to define, really. I think people kind of generally know what the fairies are, um, supernatural creatures that uh, kind of live in the borderlands between our world and the wild, uh, and they are kind of the personification of nature in all her chaotic glory. So uh, they could be good, they could be bad, they could be mischievous, they could just be um, random troublemakers. Um, in Newfoundland, it's best to avoid them if possible. Which is interesting because in this clip from Clifford George, he says, hope you run into the good fairies. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, yeah, if you are going to run into fairies, you'd prefer them to be uh, of the pleasant nature as opposed to the chaotic yeah there are, and there certainly are some stories you know there's some stories of of uh, people who had um, good things happen to Ge- generally good people run into good fairies uh, it's kind <laughs> of a payback for all your good deeds i guess so to start off we're going to listen to a clip of uh, clifford george discussing uh, a fairy story as well as a fetch story that happened to his uncle and uh this clip actually comes from grind mind who describe themselves as spooky boys making spooky films in Newfoundland. <laughs> yeah. And this is from their YouTube channel, so you can go and give them a follow. Yes. Yeah, my name is Clifford George. I'm an artist. And and I say I keep fate with a departed time. Well, a lot of people years ago, they used to say, don't go don't go crossing the fairy paths in the woods. You know, you see little sticks in there. And he goes, if you do, if you go in the woods, take a bit of bread to give to the fairies or turn your shirt inside out and they won't bother you and all this kind of stuff. Well, I say, pray to the Lord, you're going to meet the good fairies. What I'm going to do now, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you about Uncle Gabe. See, Uncle Gabe had a big, big clothes nail, a big horse. And in the evening, he'd take her down under the flakes so she could eat the chickweed and stuff like that. And for a whole week, every time he'd, t- he'd take her at the barn, he heard little voices upstairs saying, you fetch, I fetch, you fetch, I fetch, right? And he didn't know really what it meant. He didn't know what it was all about. He figured he was going senile or something. Or, you know, he just, he didn't believe in fairies. A fetch is something seen which resembles a human person. So this evening he went down to get his horse. And he said, well, what I'm going to do now, I'm going to leave my horse there. I'm going up and jigging hole this evening. And I'm going to get myself uh, some squid for the palami trial tomorrow morning because him and his brother was going fishing, right? And when he went in the 
when he went to look at his horse, and they heard him again, he heard the voice again, you fetch, I fetch. Uh, he went into the, the old fishing stage, and his brother's oil skins was put somewhere else. And they, somebody switched oil skins, they played tricks on, right? And his boots, he would have put his uh, foot down, the feet down the boots. His brother's boots was, one of his brother's boots was over there, one of his, his was over there. So he, and they were put, when they put them on, they were on the wrong feet and the wrong boots. So he laughed at all that, and he went on, he got in the, he went out to get in his boat to go up in Jingho. And when he put his foot down to get on the boat, someone else put their foot there. And the boat went down about a foot. Well, he said, there's someone in the boat with me this evening. There's something disturbing going on. So he could hear chains rattling in the boat. Like somebody rattling chain and everything in the boat, right? When he was going up in Jingho. So he got up in Jingho. And he says, well, I, I, I got to get rid of that bastard, he said, <laughs> that's in the boat. Now, in actual fact, you stop and think for a minute. You know, the fetch is in the boat when there's somebody belong to him. It's evening time now. It's coming on dark. It's a spooky thing in having the boat with you. So when he gets up on the beach, when he, when he, he goes into the beach, he says, going to Old Fort Atlantic, goes into the beach. And he says to him, now, boy, wherever you are, get the hell out of my boat. And when they jumped, he heard the chain, too, when they hit the beach rocks. And as he walked up over the beach rocks, he saw the beach rocks parting. He could hear them and see them. And that voice, he could hear them laughing. Somebody laughing, like little people laughing, right? He pushed his boat off to go to Jingo. And when he turned around and looked in the, on the high water mark, looking out at him was his own brother. In full form, buddy. So he didn't tell his brother anything about it, right? He went home, took his squids down. He baited the trawl for the next morning. He got all the trawl ready and everything like that. And he went and called his brother early, and the two of them went down to go fishing. And when he went down to go fishing, the, the, the oil skins and everything was all frigged up again, the same tricks played on them, right? So they went out and set the trial out on the fishing grounds. And um, and then they said, well, we'll go in now and have a lunch. See, that's what you do then. Around 10.30, you have a lunch down on the fishing grounds, and you, and you hand line for fish until your trial gets full of fish. Well, they were sitting down, this was bothering Uncle Gabe. But what he heard and what he saw, I always saw his brother. And he said, sure, there's nothing to this. He says, nothing wrong with my brother. He said, he's fine, right? So, they says, there's about an hour and a half gone now. And he says, now, the best thing for us to do now, Gabe, says, go and haul trawl, see how much fish we got. And his brother says, yes, that's fine with me, boy. Selb was his brother. He goes, Selb says, I can see the boy now, plain as day. He said, there on the water, it's a calm day. Now, you know how the water plays tricks on you. You could see an omen on the water that's not even there. But he was plain and he was sure as the day was long. And he said to Uncle Gabe, keep staring her this way, this way, this way. And the boy then was a long stick in a big wooden boat, like, with a spruce top on top, you know. So you could see it all over the place. So when he reached for the, the buoy, it wasn't there. It was gone. And he turned around and he said, that's the funniest thing ever I saw in my life, he said. He said, Gabe, he said, I've reached for the boy and he's not there. And two of them got a funny feeling all over him. So he sat back in the boat and he said, I don't feel too well now, Gabe, boy. I'm, I'm, I'm getting weak. And he died and they hit the boat, just like that, right there in the boat. That was Clifford George there. He's a great storyteller. I don't know if you have you met Clifford? Uh, I don't think so, he's no. He's fabulous, fabulous artist, um, a great kind of raconteur. He's got lots of... Lots of great uh, stories. He's got a story about a, a woman that kind of lived halfway across the um, the Heart's Content Barrens 
Annie took an Annie, and apparently she was a fairy in uh, in uh, Clifford's world. So I gotta go. I gotta go out and have a chat with him at some point and get the full story about Annie took an Annie, yeah. <laughs> which is also a great name. <laughs> which is a great name. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so next up, we have another kind of well-known uh, Newfoundlander, Bob Hallett, uh, with a with a, a fairy story, another kind of creepy fairy stories. I love creepy uh, fairy stories, and this was part of um, a Canada 150 project, I think. Yeah, so Canada, uh, the Canadian government did kind of a series of YouTube videos, uh, short YouTube videos, under a minute and fifty seconds, uh, just to kind of showcase different stories across Canada. So this was one of them. My name is Bob Hallis. I'm a musician and author from St. John's, Newfoundland, and this is my 150. I grew up in a place called Kilbride. It had been settled by Irish people who came from a very small area of Wexford and Waterford in the late 1700s with the prick of a British bayonet in their backsides. So they had a very distinctive culture, and they brought everything with them. They brought their religion, their architecture, their food, and they also brought their beliefs. And one thing they believed in very strongly was fairies, and not fairies in the uh, Tinkerbell way but a kind of dark and strange people who shared the earth with us there were things to be frightened of and i heard these stories and as a young child i believed it and as i got older it seemed sillier and i didn't cease to think about it altogether now when i was in my early 20s my family had an enormous dog a newfoundland dog it was over 200 pounds the biggest newfoundland dog ever born on the island of newfoundland and that animal was afraid of nothing either man or beast another big dog was a toy to him it was a slipper to be tossed around and I would walk him and he would almost pull my arm out of my socket if he saw a bird or something else that attracted his attention. And one night, late in October, there was a moon out, so it was silvery. The leaves were all gone, but it wasn't cold. We were walking, and we were walking in a park right at the bottom of the Valley Kilbride on the banks of the Waterford River. And as I walked along the path, I got an uncomfortable feeling. The way you do when something might be wrong. And all of a sudden, in between some trees, there's something in the middle of the path. And it's not very big maybe two or three feet high and it's squatting it's doing something on the path I can't see it very well and I walked a little bit closer to have a look and it, it looked like an older guy and it was wrapped all in this white robes and, and sort of rags and blankets and scarves and I couldn't see a face and a dog who normally was curious and enthusiastic and interested in everything started to cry started to cry like an animal in a trap and he turned so hard he pulled the leash right off my arm and disappeared down the path and then the thing, or whatever it was, stood up and looked at me. And I couldn't see the face. It was too dark. And I turned around. And I didn't run, because I thought running would be a bad thing to do in that situation. But I turned, and I walked away. Was it a fairy? I don't know. I didn't believe in fairies. Nobody believes in fairies. But what I saw was something very, very, very strange in Kilbride on the banks of the Waterford River. I love it. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I love that story, uh, and it reminds me of uh, a whole bunch of other stories that I've that I've heard in in Newfoundland. Uh, there was a, a story from around Kenny's Pond uh, area about uh, someone who had gone out around Christmas time, and again saw this kind of strange figure, kind of crouched down, uh, but naked, uh, and it was a boy, kind of naked in the snow. Um, and then the same thing, you know, uh, kind of the, the walker c came close and realized there were no tracks anywhere around the boy. The boy was just in the snow, kind of naked and huddled, and then kind of um, vanished before the person's eyes, which I, I think is, 
you know, kind of similar in some ways to that that particular story. Lots of lots of strange, weird fairy stories here. And uh, one of the things that I kind of like is that they're one of the powers, I guess, of the fairies is that they can take as many different forms as they seem to like. So sometimes they look like us, and sometimes they don't look like us at all. Uh, so they might appear as a whirlwind, or they might appear as an animal figure, or as something that is sort of human, but not quite. Yeah, there was one story that I asked you to tell when we when we decided that we were going to do this, and that's one that came out of the Southern Shore in Branch, is it? Uh, St. Mary's Bay, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a story from Branch, and, and I've had several different people tell me versions of this story, but there was a woman who was driving back to Branch, uh, kind of uh, as it was getting duckish, and... Um, there's a new road that comes down from St. Bride's down into Branch, and but there's an older road down below. And as she was coming in, uh, she looked down, and on the lower road, she could see uh, children, like quite young children, like toddlers out on the road. And she thought this was a very strange thing. So she got out of her car, stopped her car, and got out to see if there was an adult with these little children. Um, and when she got out of the car they uh, to look at them, they turned around to look up back towards her and the woman um, saw that they had eyes that were just black, black eyes and when she looked down she saw that they had no hands, that their arms all just ended in little stumps. Um, so she got back in the car and <laughs> locked the doors and booted it back home um, and people said that they were the they were the fairies as well, that that was a spot that the fairies would march. And uh, like that story combined with the two that we've heard already, like give me the chills. I've I've never had any fairy experiences, and I don't really have any interest in having any uh, fairy experiences. Yeah. So what do you got next? Well, up next, I figured uh, since we're coming up onto fall, we could talk a bit about uh, berry picking because berry picking and fairies are uh, kind of overlap pretty commonly here in Newfoundland. So we've got a story from uh, Donald Case from out in Salmon Cove, who's talking about uh, berry picking and uh, and the fairies as well. Another thing uh, that was pretty popular too at the end of August and early school, we used to uh, go into woods and pick our berries. And of course, you'd pick enough to buy your scribblers and pencils and that sort of thing, right? And um, and I think that's where, if I remember correctly, that's where some of the stories came from. You had to be careful in around the woods because the fairies are in there. And I, I think the parents just mentioned that just to make you a little afraid so you make sure you get back home you know, that, that kind of way right so there he talks a bit about uh i guess fairies as a form of social control which is something that's been talked about in uh, uh i guess by folklorists and by different people um how people parents in particular would use that as a form of uh you know making sure that the kids got home at a particular time or stayed away from certain areas yeah. as a way to kind of instill uh a fear, a fear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you tell your kids not to do something, they're going to go do it anyway. So you create this supernatural uh, guardian uh, figure. Yeah. And I've heard, I've heard stories like that where, where parents have made up, um, made up stories to kind of keep kids away from certain areas. There's a story from Port of Grave about a headless ghost. 
that a woman told me, and she said as a child she believed it to be true, and but then when she got older, she learned that the adults had made up this story of a headless ghost to uh, to keep them away from a disused well at the at the end of a path, right? So they wouldn't wander up there in the night and uh, fall down in the well. Well, next up, we've got another uh, berry picking story, and uh, it's from Ruth Bugden out in Portugal Cove, uh, St. Phillips, and she's talking about. Uh, berry picking, but also some of the ways in which you can ward off fairies or ways you can, uh, you know, keep them away. But another thing, we used to pick berries a lot. Well, I still pick berries and my husband does and, and make, would make all your jams. Everything yeah. would be made then. Um, but I can remember uh, going picking berries with my mother. And like, like I said, she was in tune to a lot of mm-hmm. things. And when it started to get kind of dusky, you had to stay close because she was really concerned about the fairies. Oh, right. Talk about that. I, I've had no, there's been some stories around that I'm not... Well, what was she up, worried about? Because fairies would take children. Oh, okay. And there was a lot of superstitions about fairies then. You had to wear something backwards okay. and you had to carry some food in your pocket all the time in case they came. I've never seen a fairy. I don't know if anybody, I don't know anybody personally that's seen a fairy. But, you know, there was a lots of stories about fairies. So those were just some of, I guess, the examples that people have talked about uh, as ways to avoid fairies. Are there other ones that you know of? Um, This idea of bread is kind of interesting. She said food, but uh, quite often in Newfoundland we hear about bread being used as a charm against uh, the fairies. Um, And it's I find it interesting as a folklorist, you know, that, that people often identify as Irish, that they call these stories Irish stories. You know, we heard that in uh, Bob Hallett's story about how Irish these stories are. And some of them certainly uh, do have Irish roots. Um, but a lot of our traditions here in Newfoundland are not necessarily Irish. And a lot of our fairy beliefs are actually uh, kind of West Country English. Um, and that's this... Um, idea of using bread as a charm against the fairies uh, comes out of the the west country out of devon and um, dorset and and in those places the the tradition has kind of faded uh, by the by the 19th century this this idea of uh, bread as being a charm against fairies had kind of started to die out in those places in the UK. But here it really persisted and then became intertwined. So what we have here is really not an Irish tradition and really not an English tradition. It it truly is a Newfoundland tradition. It is its own thing. We have this um, blending of other fairy traditions uh, here. Um, so our fairies act in a way that is maybe a little bit different when it comes to, to charms. Um, iron is one that often people talk about as being a, a good protection. Uh, people would often talk about pinning money into the hem of a child's blanket. Like if a child was going out, uh, they would make sure that there were some coins or something with the child. And it was it was the metal itself that was the that was the charm, or possibly even the pin. Um, and I've heard Irish stories about uh, people using like having a pin in their lapel. Uh, uh, of their coat or, or whatnot as a, as a charm against the fairies. 
Which is interesting because uh, when I was on the Digital Archives Initiative, the DAI, where um, I guess most of this material came from, aside from those first two, um, one of the people that I went through uh, folklore uh, graduate school with uh, did a series of interviews down in Whitless Bay. And one of the questions that she was asking people was about metal or iron. Um, and it doesn't seem like it was a tradition in Whitless Bay at all because everyone that she asked said, oh, I don't know, yeah. I don't know, I have no. no idea. Yeah, it's fascinating, you know, even, even on the southern shore where people kind of think of themselves as Irish, a lot of the fairy traditions have had centuries of um, uh, interaction with these kind of English uh, English beliefs. And, and for some reason, some of those uh, kind of Devon pixie kind of beliefs uh, really took strong root here. So up next, we'll uh, we'll take a listen to Anne Payne and Annie Lee of uh, Petty Harbor, and they talk a bit about bread in your pocket. Um, but they also have a kind of a, a not a first hand, but I guess a second hand story of um, Anne's uncle and Annie Lee's brother in law and uh, his interaction with a fairy. What would happen if you went over on the river after dark? The fairies caught you, ma'am. You just you just put a bit of bread in your pocket. So bread in the your fairies pocket. wouldn't catch you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One night, on my uncle, who's dead now, he. Well, let's say my parents lived here and the river was here. So he's going to cut down across the river from his house there to see his sister's son who was sick. And his mother said, don't cross the river, Ted, because if you do, you know what's going to... Oh, don't be so full. He was a young man then. He wasn't any child. Mother said, don't Ted, you shouldn't go across across the river. In the nighttime. And (laughs) so anyway, Ted swears. If he was here, he'd swear now up and down on the Bible that the fairies knocked him down, Hmm. broke his leg and held him. He was on the river four hours screaming and yelling and nobody heard him. Wow. He was calling who somebody, I don't know who heard who him. Who heard him eventually? Somebody heard him mm-hmm. calling him. Yeah. But anyway, he swore. So, I mean, when you got that history, you don't question it as a child. Mother said like, to him, honey, don't go down across the river yeah. time. But anyway, that's what happened to him. He swore to his fairies, knocked him down, broke his leg. Believe it or not. <laughs> but he did have a broken leg. Dad said, you were half cut. Indeed, I was, and I never had a drink in me. So that was an interesting one uh, where somebody broke their leg. And I've got another clip here that has to do with um, a fairy and somebody's leg. But in this case, it's a fairy blast. Um, she talks a little bit about what a fairy blast is. So I'll just play this clip in and, and we can discuss it afterwards. Um, and we'll maybe get a bit more information on fairy blasts and, and what they are. That was something else too, stories about fairies. Yeah. I don't really know if my mom and dad believed in them, but they had a lot of stories. Are there any that stand out in your mind? Well, my father said one time he couldn't get up over the stairs. The fairies were stopping him. He said he felt cold on his legs, and he could hear laughter. Like, And he said it wasn't really laughter. He said it was like bells tinkling, and he said it was fairies. There was lots of stories back then. I mean, Mom used to tell a story about um, this girl that she grew up with. She had a big bump on her leg and it just got bigger and bigger and the doctors were x-raying it and they couldn't figure out what was going on so they finally opened it and this is called a blast this is what they call it needles and uh, nuts and bolts came out of her leg now I don't know how true that was but I bet you I'm not the only one that knows that word it's called a blast So this idea of a fairy being able to shoot something into a person 
is a very old uh, belief. Um, Anglo-Saxons believed in in the ability of uh, supernatural creatures to kind of shoot a fairy arrow into a person and, and cause damage. Sometimes you'll hear about elf shot, um, and that's the idea that you've been you've been hit with something. Um, and this is a this is a persistent belief. And, and in Newfoundland, it takes a lot of different forms, uh, and different regions have different ways to kind of describe a blast or the types of things that get inserted into the human body. So up next, uh, we're going to listen to another story about a, a blast, and this one comes from Ryan Adams. And this was uh, a project that you guys had done a couple of years ago uh, with kids kind of telling stories that they collected from their grandparents or their, their relatives. Uh, so this is a story, I believe, from his great-grandmother. Yeah, and this is a, this is a project from uh, Ascension Collegiate out in Bay Roberts. But the kids were com- from around that area, Conception Bay. I'm, uh, I'm Ryan Adams. The top story is great-grandmother attacked by fairies. And I learned a story from my nan, Mary Greeley. Um, uh, when my grandmother, Mercer, was a little girl, she was at her grandparents' house in the garden taking up potatoes with her grandparents. It was after supper and con- it was after supper, kind of foggy in the late evening. After they took up the potatoes, she put the potatoes on a stick and had a fire like today when you roast a marshmallow at a fire. All of a sudden, she felt a huge pain in her jaw. After a while, her grandparents took her home and wrapped a towel over her face. When this occurred, a strange type of fluid like water came through a towel. The next day, they took her to to the St. John's General Hospital where she had her jawbone removed. She was in there for 13 months as a patient. The true story behind behind what caused caused it to happen was a doctor from Harbor Grace said it was caused by the fairies. That's it. I love that that last clip uh, ends <laughs> the with... The doctor. The yes. doctor said it came from the fairies. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Uh, so I think we're probably going to end it off with a clip we did recently with a woman, uh, Mary Flynn, out in Otterbury. Uh, I guess it was she was from... She was from, from Shearstown. Yeah. Um, but now, now living in, in Otterbury. Yeah. And she's a hundred and... One years old now. I think she's yeah, 100. She was 100 when we, went when we to interviewed see her. her. She's 101 years old. Yeah. Um, great, great storyteller. And I had a, a first cousin. She was taken by the fairies. Did I tell you that one? What was her name? Monica Bradley was her name, yeah. She married Quiddleman last year. She was taken by the fairies. She was, we were up playing up on this ground place by the pond. And we all came home, and she never. But she came down with us, but she was afraid of the woman next door. She used to be bad and fight the children. And she cut over, she said, I'm not going to, I'll go over this way. And Dad came, and she wasn't home. And they said, we don't send me with her, but we didn't. And we all had the one story, the four or five, five of us, I think. Anyway, they got lanterns then. And so my father said, where were you? And we told him. And he went up, and he went out around the edge of the palm, and there was all these little blue flowers, forget-me-not flowers, we used to call them, growing up. And here she is, lying down, buried in them, asleep. But nothing happened to her. Father woke her up, and she come down. She don't remember anything about it. She didn't remember, but she had to be taken back. But people don't believe that, but that is true. So I think the area she's talking there 
about is Muddy Hole, the Muddy Hole area there in Shearstown. Okay. Um, which is which is interesting, you know. Uh, there's there's lots of fairy stories around Conception Bay North. It's a real hotbed of uh, fairy activity. I know um, Margaret Iad out uh, in Bay Roberts uh, when she was uh, working as a teacher or librarian. They, they collected a lot of stories from her students about fairies from the from the region. Um, and yes, that's kind of an example. Maybe that's a good one to end off with about the fairies kind of taking someone but returning them without any harm done. No harm done, just covered in, in forget-me-nots. Beautiful forget-me-nots. And asleep. Yeah. And she got married, <laughs> she lived, and had a, had a life. So good, good for her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Dale. Thank you. You've been listening to the Living Heritage Podcast, a co-production of Heritage NL and CHMR Radio at Memorial University. You can find previous episodes on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. We're on Twitter at HFNLCA. Do you have a question or a suggestion about an aspect of culture and heritage you want us to explore? Send us your mail and we'll do our best to answer it in an upcoming show. Email us at livingheritagepodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Lache Swing. Thanks for listening.